I really would rather stand up here and talk to you for a couple of hours about everything you've been talking about because it just—it's my life. It excites me. And uh, seven years ago, I became a Christian, and right before that, I didn't know anything about Christianity. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to know anything about Christianity. Um, for several years of my life, I was an atheist, and for many years, I guess, I was basically what people would call an agnostic. Um, that's a nice term. We, you know, but bottom line is I really didn't care much about it. Um, and it really wasn't until I met Dr. Solomon and read his ins and out of rejection in the first part there that for the first time in my life I actually could, could actually understand why I had been living the way I'd been living. And that basically was that growing up, um, my dad sat and got drunk every night, seven nights a week and didn't have anything to do with this. And so, you know, you don't really, as a child, you don't perceive that as, as rejection. But later on, I can, I mean, I can look back on it now and see that there was a lack of meaningful love in my life. And so at age 14, um, somebody uh, introduced me to marijuana and I thought, well, this is great. And so, you know, I found my acceptance in the drinking and drugging crowd. And uh, at 15, I started drinking. And uh, I can remember the first time I took a drink, I got drunk and threw up and saw double and all that stuff. And I said, man, I like this. This is good. <laughs> Go figure. But anyway, you know, with all that said, I kept on and I hit it pretty hard and fast and, and basically did that for the next uh, 35 years. Um, at 16 years old, I got the first DUI. At 17, I started in the psychedelics. Um, at 18, barbiturates. Of course, I was smoking pot like it was a law you had to smoke pot, and drinking like it was a law you had to drink. You know, that's just it became my life. Drugs were my life. And then at 18 years old, I tried to commit suicide. I got into a, a big uh, riff with my dad, which was usually the case. And I was unconscious for three days, and it took me about a week to come back down to earth. And uh, it's kind of strange. I remember my parents after a few days, and you know. Uh, Took me and took me back to Athens and dumped me back out and never mentioned it again. We, that was the way we dealt with everything in our house. You don't talk about it; it just goes away, you know. But anyway, you get the picture, and you know, basically, you would think that after that you might slow down, but I didn't even break stride. And so, by the time I was 25 years old, I was got hooked on cocaine. By the time, and of course, now don't get me wrong, I'm still walking around with joint in my hand five times a day and drinking like a fish and. You know, that was just my staples. And, you know, by the time I'm 30, I'm on crystal meth, and crystal meth about killed me. And uh, anyway, you know, people had tried to approach me to tell me about, you know, basically what you hear is, man, you need to straighten up and go to church. <laughs> you know, the usual spiel. Well, guess what? If I could straighten up, I probably would have. But uh, anyway, I didn't. And, um, Went through years of crystal meth and it about killed me and pretty much lost all my friends and everything and everybody and you know how you know how it all goes okay you know it never ends good um, but you know that's a couple of decades of that that kind of lifestyle and um, and and so I did finally get to a point where I went to drug rehab and I um, when I did get there I had made up my mind that I wanted to to see what made me tick and I went to a secular of course, I wasn't a Christian, so why would I go to a Christian rehab? But I went to a secular rehab and actually got a lot out of what they were telling me. Um, 
And so I, I was a real odd bird. I actually went to him and said, hey, can I stay another week? <laughs> and everybody else is in there going, are you out of your mind, man? I can't wait to get out of here. You know, usually both three days later, you know, after you get there, people vote. But anyway, I, I did stay in there. And one of the things that I say about drug rehab is when you pay for it out of your own pocket, like I did, you tend to pay more of attention instead of the insurance company or mom and daddy paying for it, you know. So I paid for it, and I had payments for the next few years, and I paid a little more attention to what they told me. And I actually stayed clean and sober for a year and nine months, which was truly amazing because at that time I was dealing pot and did that for 10 years in Atlanta, and um, I didn't have to smoke it. I mean, I could look at it and tell you whether it's good or not anymore, you know. And I kept dealing pot. They told me... They told me not to use. They didn't tell me to quit dealing, so I kept doing the pot. And I was staying sober, you know. And I went to NA, and they smoked so much I couldn't stand that. So I went to AA, and I met some nice people in there. And I never bought into the disease thing. I never um, would consider myself an alcoholic, and I never worked the steps. But it was a good place for me to go, besides the other places I've been going. And um, anyway, so I did that about a year and nine months, and. Um, the guy I used to buy my crystal meth from, I saw him one day, he handed me a bottle of crystal meth, and there I was for the next four years, and back out every day, and that about killed me. And uh, finally, up into my early 40s, my early 40s, um, I think I'd pretty much run the gamut, and somehow or another, I'd managed to keep my head above water and stay alive, and that somehow was because God had his hand on me. How that works, I don't know, because he did, because lots and lots of times, is, you know, in that lifestyle, you pretty much come to the place where you're going to die or somebody's going to kill you or whatever. But anyway, um, you know, I got through all of that. And then um buddy of mine, you know, I, was, I had found out after I got through using drugs every day for 30-something years that I was a wreck. Can you imagine? <laughs> Taking a 14-year-old child, pouring alcohol and drugs in it for 30-something years, and he was a wreck. <laughs> well, you know what? I was chronically depressed, chronic anxiety, all that stuff. I was just so depressed I couldn't stand it. And suicidal, I battled that most of my life. And my buddy said, man, you got to go see the shrink. You know, I'm going to take you. Here's a Budweiser and a Valium. Take that right now. We'll go see the shrink. I said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I knew that remedy, and it worked for me. But I went to see the shrink, and he was a Christian man. But the funny thing was, he, he, he never really told me out of Bible there, but he didn't tell me about anything. He just wrote me a lot of drugs, and I needed them. Um, I, was, I remember I first walked in there, and the first thing he asked me was, you know, would I consider electroshock therapy? And, and I thought for about 15 seconds, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it, whatever. I mean, that's how bad off I was. Kind of chokes me out. I'm out. <laughs> oh, I get choked up. But anyway, um, I spent the next several years, you know, doing legal drugs and um, taking drugs for depression and taking drugs for anxiety. And um, of course, you get a strong out on the Xanax, you know, and everybody won't see them, so I had to hide all them from my friends and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm still smoking pot, still dabbling with drugs, I'm still drinking. And then at 49 years old, um, you know, I think I tried about everything the world had to offer, you know, as far as as far as I could tell. And um, then I was trying, you know, the legal stuff, and I was still a, a, a mess. And uh, I'm going to get through this, Doc. <laughs> You've been with me too long. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> you know, though, I don't. 
challenges I've been spending when I talk about this, but mm-hmm. God's just been so good to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 49 years old, um, you know, I really needed a new life, but I didn't know you could really get one because nobody could ever told me about any such thing. And most of the Christians I knew, I drank with them and drugged with them. And uh, they got up and went to church on Sunday sometimes, and I woke up with a real bad headache. And that was about the only difference I could see. And uh, anyway, um, anyway, uh, I uh, got my last DUI at 49 years old and hit a new low in my life. And uh, I thought, man, how could this be happening? You know, and all the crazy stuff I'd done in my life. And uh, now I've hit a new low and I lost my job and everything, you know, went down the tubes and uh, couldn't drive. I lost my license for, for a while and I'd hit a new low. And uh, so anyway, the, I got mandated some, uh, some uh, you know, community service. And so I knew there was a little church not far from me and I went down there to ask the preacher if he could help me with some depression and do some community service and all that. And he gave me a book on, you know, depression and... Uh, so anyway, I was walking in and out of there and uh, felt like a fish out of water because it didn't, you know, I went into a Sunday school class and I thought those people were kind of weird and I didn't fit in there, you know. Um, and uh, anyway, um, long story short there about church, uh, one day I'm standing in church there by myself, went in and out there about five or six times and man, I got this really, really strong urge to, to get on my knees. And uh, I'm you know, basically standing in the pew by myself there, and I'm trying to get down there to the front to get on my knees to go to what I thought was an altar, you know. And I looked down there, and they didn't have one of those railings, so I thought this church doesn't even have an altar. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. I really was kind of having a real battle getting there. And anyway, I couldn't even go. The church was over, and this man came up to me and asked me to go to lunch with him, and I did, and I told him what was going on with me that day and everything. And, you know, I remember his, he said, well, we need to go back talk to the preacher and all that stuff. And I said, fine, you know, and did all that. And went to lunch with him. I told him and his wife what a wreck my life was. And she said, well, you know, when I'm, I have a lot of anxiety. There's a verse in the Bible I like. It's uh, Philippians 4, 6 and all that. And I said, you mean there's something in the Bible about anxiety? I said, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. And I thought it's maybe like more like a psychology book type thing, you know, because I'd read one of them. And uh, so I said, write that down. So I went home that day, and I was sitting in my chair, and a few hours later, and I thought, well, I'll get that uh, piece of paper out there. And I, I said, I think I got a Bible. I've been carrying one around for about seven years, never read it, never opened it. and uh, But I had one, so I went and dug it out of a box and knocked the dust off of it and went down there and um, found the book of Philippians and found that verse and started to read about being anxious for nothing and one idea. When I did, I looked down, and that Bible came alive. I looked like it was breathing, and that word came off the page and went and touched me on the head. And God knocked me back in my chair. And from the time I went back in my chair, the time I went forward, everything in my life changed. I became a completely different person. And I sat up and I shook my head and I went, whoa! <laughs> and I remember looking straight out the door where my drink, new drinking buddy lived and I realized I didn't want to be drunk anymore. 
And I realized that <laughs> I didn't want to do drugs anymore. And I realized that everything in my life had changed. And I said, that's that Holy Spirit that that, that man told me about at church. <laughs> and sure enough, it was the Holy Spirit. It was the living Word of God. It was Jesus Christ, all in one. They're inseparable. The Bible is alive. It is a living Word, and it is Jesus. And He is truth. And when the truth that day came alive out of that Bible, He transformed my life. And the Holy Spirit started discipling me that day, and He took me straight into the epistles of Paul there. And the first thing He started teaching me was about how to put you in Christ. In Christ. And that's... He kept me in Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians for the next several months of reading. I've kind of been reading for the last seven years. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's that. And that's how God changed my life. And that's the day that everything that He teaches in here today became real in my life. And it was a few months later when my brother... God bless him. He'd been through, well, for lack of a better word, he'd been through hell with me for years and years and years and years. He thought maybe all those drugs I'd taken really did take effect because one day I was, you know, he talked to me and I was uh, whining and depressed and everything was coming apart. And the next week I'm preaching out of Ephesians. So yeah, he thought maybe uh, <laughs> he thought maybe he needed to send me to see somebody and. That man happened to be about 300 miles south of here, and I drove up 250 miles, and my brother made me an appointment with him because he wanted me to get checked out. <laughs> and I can only imagine why. So that's how I met Doc. Doc uh, got his little yellow pad out and started to take me history, and I said, hold on, man, brother, let me tell you what God has done. And he started crying. And I was so thankful that I finally met somebody who really understood what was taking place in my life. Because the people in the church didn't know what to tell me. As a matter of fact, a lot of them were running from me. Because <laughs> I got a little more Jesus than they've been praying for. <laughs> and uh, was basically, I went, the Holy Spirit came in and He bypassed my damaged emotions and He started healing me. And He let me live out of His joy. And I will tell you that if that's any glimpse of what we're going to have in heaven, then it's absolutely wonderful. Because I went into a euphoric state for months and months and months and I finally had to ask God to calm me down. I, I really, and I think people are glad I, I did. But um, I, I did say, Lord, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, handle this much longer. And when he did, it was bad though, because what he did after the Holy Spirit, he was very kind to me. Yeah, he, he healed on me for about five, five months or more. But then when he slowly let me living back out of my emotions, it was really a bad day because I was way up there, way down there. And you know, I, I got to tell you, I was some pretty damaged goods and. It's taken, it took me probably, um, you know, I almost don't even count the first six months of my Christian life as, as anything because I really wasn't running on faith at all. Um, when God, uh, by revelation, changes your life like that, it's not a faith thing. Um, and the Holy Spirit had so taken control of my life, it was just on all the I kind of liked it that way. <laughs> but, you know, it took me about another year and a half after that um, of, of really... Believing him and uh, reading and really, 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 really wanting uh, something different in my life to believe that all of this junk that was in here since I was a child was going to come into alignment with the renewing of the mind that God started the day he, the day I was born again, 
the Holy Spirit started discipling me and, and reading the Word to me, and Jesus reading the Bible to you is a pretty good day. So um, even though my mind was getting renewed, my emotions were so messed up, it took a long time for them to even try to, you know, they just don't line up with truth. And, you know, my, my thing I say about all this is, again, you know, only the truth will set you free, and the truth is a person, and God's Word is truth, and they are inseparable. Um, you just can't separate those things out. Um, and so I'm a real stickler for truth. I'm a real stickler for uh, understanding that what he's talking about here today is the only true way to find freedom from addictions and, and all of that. You know, we're, we're so works-based in, in America that even in our churches we're, we're works-based. And, you know, to try to, to try to lay truth out and, and for people just to by faith accept the fact that God's pretty much taken care of all of it and now you just have to say, okay, I'm dead to sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus and I have to believe that. They really don't want to do that because they want to know what they can do to, to get this thing worked out. You know, we're still, it's about what can I do. And unfortunately, um, most all recovery um, places are, are really workspace too. And it makes it difficult because you're still putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> I mean, that's about it. So anyway, that's my testimony about how God saved me. And I um, I did go get me some Kleenex a while ago. I just forgot I had it. <laughs> well, it takes forever to tell you what's going on. But I've had a really strong struggle in my life that God has shown me through <clears throat> really cool ways, like my corn in the flesh that will get me on my knees. And it's a very heartache situation that I have to deal with. But he showed me a couple of years ago to be thankful for it because it gets me on my knees, so it's really awesome. But I was having a real struggle with it and I had I had purchased the handbook of this book at a, a walk through the Old Testament that John Hand did at our church. So he, he said it was a good book and I thought, well, yeah, this was good. I'm gonna buy it and again I read the of it but not much and then <laughs> then for another uh, late at church, I was getting some advice on how to deal with my situation, and she said, "John, this counselor, John Woodward, would be great, you know, to talk to to the person I'm dealing with." And uh, he said, and I said, "You know, I've heard that name. He had to walk through the." She goes, "Oh no, he's a counselor. It is different." Well, I figured that who was, and I connected with him. I said, "He is the same guy." So I was like, you know, and he said, "Well, I had this person read a handbook of happiness and the." Uh, ins and outs of rejection first. Well, uh, this person is my son, so I was like, okay, I've got to read this now and make sure I'm not giving him some crazy theology. So I read it, and I don't know if my son's ready for it. It doesn't even matter. I know God put it in my hands and put the desire to read it to help him because it's changed my life. It's, it's amazing. And I, I, I've never heard about all this, you know. Me and Mallory, I, I kind of, she went to the thing too, she was going to read the book as well, but I kind of told her, you have to read it now, and so she read it, and she's going, wait, wait, we were in a good church under great, great leadership, and we hear biblical teaching every week, but I had no idea that there was a way across the Jordan. I mean, I'm not, now, come alive, it's so cool, so, I just, I'm amazed, and I'm this, it simplifies it. It makes it common sense to where we can understand it. So this is really the thing that worked in my life. And, or it is doing, because I'm just now figuring it out. So. <laughs>
And, you know, every single day I dealt with them. Every single night I went to bed having nightmares from, uh, from war. And for the past two weeks, I haven't had a single thing. So it's just been awesome. I just want to share that with you guys. Sweet. How's everybody doing again? Pretty well. So, um, March 27th. Well, how long? That's not long ago. That's like nine months ago. You know, so uh, I was a ministry student at a Christian college in South Carolina called Southern Wesleyan University. Anybody know? Um, high school. I was a ministry student, and I I had to. I, I what I was preaching or what I was supposed to be telling and and uh, spreading was I know a God who can meet your deepest needs, but He didn't even meet my deepest needs not yet. You see, so you see how that works if you have to teach that <clears throat> but really in the, in the secret place it's not going on it's not happening and uh, I think I think you know 90% of you know, leadership even in today's church they're preaching that God will meet the deepest needs and, and it's not happening really in the secret place but um, um, <clears throat> so I look for other avenues of things that could meet my needs and I got addicted to drugs real bad and I uh, got expelled from the school after I got arrested you know, for possession charges. And uh, came back home, and things got worse. And I just downward spiraled, downward spiraled. I didn't really have any um, counseling. or I went to counseling, but even, even from counseling, I kind of just, I mean, I just kind of stopped going. It was kind of ridiculous. The, the counselor that I had was uh, teaching the exchange to life method um, but the Holy Spirit was teaching it in, in inside of me I didn't even know it at the time I was just becoming weaker and weaker and just had no clue I'd, uh, I didn't know anything about um, the exchange to life counseling method uh, I just I was just living my life what I what, what was a reality to me at that time which was about a year ago was I'm just not going to fake it not working anymore. It's just not working. You know? So, uh, and I felt like that was the posture of most of the Christians around me. Is they kind of eat their way through. And that just didn't seem like the Jesus uh, that I wanted to follow. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's just kind of where I was. I wanted to be honest with myself. So I started selling drugs. And um, it just got worse and worse. And I remember one week... <clears throat> I just kind of decided I was going to stop. I don't know why. It was just getting bad. I was, I'd been on medication for depression and anxiety for three years, and it was just getting worse. Um, and uh, I remember one day I just decided I was going to give it all up. I don't know why. I just It was, it was weird because like five days prior to that, I knew that I was going to give it up, but I just, I just kept doing it. I remember I used heavy that week because <clears throat> for some reason I just knew that. I told myself, I said, Friday, this is the last day you're going to be doing this. You're not going to be doing this anymore. I was just like, okay. You know? So uh, that Friday, I went over to a buddy's house and kind of just spilled everything, which is kind of funny, you know, because, you know, I think part one of the uh, counseling process is you just confess all known sin, you know? But I didn't really even know that. I just felt like I needed to go tell somebody everything. So I just went over to a buddy's house and I just started pouring everything out I'd, I'd done this I'd stolen from my parents pawned it off and I'd stolen from my grandparents and I'd just this and this and just laid it all out there 
went to a buddy's house and he threw me this book called Handbook to Happiness and I responded with, this looks like the dumbest book I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I went into a coffee shop the next day, it was the 27th of March, and I was reading the book and uh, yeah, it just... <clears throat> in that copy shop and I was flipping to the book the dumbest book ever. Yeah. and um, and I you know it told about your it told about your being with Jesus in the sentence you know that said come on The sentence that said, you know, you can hang your hands. In the head. I think I know that one. Yeah. And you it, can hang up your hang-ups at the cross, and you can live in heaven on the way to heaven because you're already there. Alright, yeah. So, um, I put the book down, and, uh, I just, I mean, I was so, it just happened, you know. The Spirit checked me. Mm-hmm. And uh, He fed me breath. <laughs> this thing that had been sucking in for so long, it was just like, it was like, a, like fire here, you know. When it hurts, it hurts right here, you know. But this had turned around. And I haven't taken a feel for depression since that day. Not because of my strong will, but because I just didn't eat anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my... The idea was, for me at that moment, it became real. I had to get out of the coffee shop because I was going to start shouting. <laughs> and that wasn't me, you know. It's just not me. So I closed my books up and ran out. She was freaking out. I mean, I was just free. I wasn't crying. I was just freaking out. The 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 inside was alive again. The 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 reality is, for 22 years of my life, drugs met my needs better than the church did. That's the reality. And then the Spirit came and changed all that in an instant. And. Um, I haven't been on drugs since that day because Jesus doesn't need drugs or pain medication when he's not depressed. So, Amen. 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 Um, It is, well, when Dr. Cobb told me that I had this option to come and uh, fulfill my, one of my uh, practicum classes, um, I had mixed emotions because um, I was like, well, he's already taught us this, so why, why am I going? But now I know. 
Now I know, and I am I am so so glad to be here. I'm so glad that uh, he, he gave us offered this opportunity to be here, because um, what I've what I've seen is that even though he he laid the foundation for it, he showed it to us. He uh, you know we we read about it, we saw it, but we never saw it in practice. We never got to actually see it in practice. And yesterday was invaluable for me. I mean, I can't even tell you. Now I know it was. <laughs> I've got a long way to go in, in teaching it or whatever. But it was invaluable to sit down with Sherry and be able to walk through the steps and really see how how it could really change someone's life. Because my light bulb went on, and I really got to see where, you know, got to take a look at my own self and see where I really was on there. Was I really totally exchanged? Uh, had had that exchange happened for me? Because um, growing up, I was never never taught that. You know, you. You get saved early, and you know people kind of take your, take their hands off of you. You're saved. What else do you need from me? <laughs> so that's kind of how how I you know I grew up. You're already saved. We're moving on to the next one, and so evangelism was was everything where where we grew up, and discipleship wasn't wasn't so much. So now I'm seeing that there are other there are other parts to it that are just as important as, as salvation itself, because living living saved but not truly knowing that Christ is your life um, is just not as fulfilling as, as I would, you know, as we need it to be. Um, so I wish I could stay for the rest of it. I've um, duty calls. I was already obligated to do something else for the rest of the rest of this week. But I do plan on taking it online, or and maybe we come back next year for for it, or whenever you have another one. So it's been a pleasure to meet each and every one of you, and I, I pray that you enjoy the rest of your week, and it's just as enlightening for you.